We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Mike, you got a topic for us today. Set the stage for us. Well, I was in the East Coast last weekend and doing something for a soccer game and speaking to some people that work in the English Premier League, and they were talking about how the stars there have been unhappy right, for many years and... Part of the context was certain players coming over to the MLS later in their careers in part to get out of part of the spotlight in Europe. And you know, part, some of the guys that have done this in the past was like David Beckham and Wayne Rooney. We were discussing uh, Gareth Bale just came over. He could have played anywhere on the continent, uh, really anywhere in the world, and just came to uh, LAFC. And by the way, go check that out. Uh, and it made me think about some conversations that we've had and that have been going around in the ether in this country about NBA stars and just the the difficulty in finding seemingly in finding a place of contentment and happiness within the NBA construct. Whereas from on the outside, it might appear that these positions are appealing. And there's some there's some kind of dissonance there that I thought would be interesting to just get your guys's discussion on. How much of it has to do just with society? How much of it has to do with the emergence of social media and attention and fame and all of these kinds of things? And this morning, we saw the report about Kevin Durant potentially being reengaged in certain trades, right? That Boston came up with from the Woj tweet. So he he is one that seems to, from the outside perspective, right, have not been happy in certain situations. So Darius, Pete, we could start there. We start, we could start elsewhere, but I thought it was something we could kick around for a while. It's super interesting. So, Pete, I want to ask you. I don't like to psychoanalyze players in terms of like, oh, happy versus unhappy, but I do think that player movement and the idea of like I'd like to be traded, we often equate that with happiness. Because there's a certain amount of, if you're happy, that often translates to stability, 
and just the want to like, I want to be here. And Durant was one of those players who do you remember when LeBron did the decision? And then in contrast, Durant was held up as like the counter to that when he agreed to his five-year extension with OKC. And it was very like under the radar press release, like no fanfare, just like this is what I'm doing. And it was like, I'm staying sort of thing. And Durant was sort of put up on this pedestal as this ideal of a superstar. And since then, we've seen him then leave OKC to go to the Warriors. And then after winning championships with the Warriors, he was portrayed as someone who was unfulfilled still and that needed to go somewhere else. And then he landed in Brooklyn and now he's asked out of Brooklyn as well. And so what I wanted to ask you, Pete, is do you think that this is like more a Durant thing or do you think it's it's bigger than that because he's not the only star obviously to ask out like the Lakers have received a player like that in a trade with Anthony Davis right and so it's clearly not just a Durant thing but that idea of of the unhappy star I think Durant's the poster boy for that and and do you think that it's really more than him or that it's just him no it's definitely more than him and it's not new either Kareem wanted to get to the Lakers and magically ended up on the Lakers in 1975. So that was, he, you know, kind of muscled his way to LA. And that said, though, I think we've seen an uptick in it. And it's been really since the 99 CBA, which is when they instituted the cap on the max salaries in the first place. And that's where I I think of first, Mike, that kind of like kicked off this this dynamic is that what that did and in terms of getting that pushed through now that was a that was a year where we actually missed games that season in the 99 season due to the lockout and so this was one of the concessions and in, in that max salaries for the very best guys had been eating up more and more of the salary cap from the owner's perspective, right? And so if you don't sign the right guy to that max contract, it's really a franchise killer for a couple of years or was at the time. And so as a protection against that, the owner said, hey, let's put a cap on that so that those rules that kind of protect the owners against themselves, I don't think they usually work out and they have kind of uh, unintended consequences of which I think this is one of them. And the players agreed to that because at the end of the day, that's only going to impact what 25 guys in the NBA. So in terms of getting votes on a collective bargaining agreement, kind of the middle class of the NBA will like, well, this doesn't affect me. That's fine to give that up in negotiations. But what that does, Mike, is it, it sets a template for guys to make decisions based on other factors. And then what I see more and more now is this idea of like, well, I'm going to get my money with the team that I'm at now because you've financially incentivized re-signing with my team or with the team that I'm currently with. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to stay. And it's one of those things, Mike, where like, do you really want a Kevin Durant sticking around and his heart's not into it, right? Like that's one of the things, one of the the powers that the player has. I don't want to say that they're going to dog it or intentionally not play hard, but the difference between being mentally engaged and not, and, and, and that in basketball in particular is just really important. So I don't know. I think that it's kind of, I go back to that 99 CBA to kind of create the environment that's put us in this place. Well, I thought Darius touched on an important clarification that, that we should, that I should expand further here. And Happiness isn't necessarily the right word. 
And there's also sometimes a difference between what we could perceive as sports happiness and off-court real-life <laughs> yes. happiness. Yeah. It's the same way if you say, I hate player X who's on the other team, and we might use the term like sports hate, right? So there's there's a difference there. And yeah. getting into one of these guys' heads and being like, oh, he wants to be in a different city or play on a different team, he's unhappy. You know, that's and, – and by the way, how could he be because he's making X million dollars? Like that, that's oh, – we don't want to get into that. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to get into that. But it's Pete. It's interesting what you said about ninety nine and the lockout. I'm while just giving that uh, that disclaimer about equating on court and off court. Part of what got me thinking about the conversation in the first place was that the 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 person, the two people I was speaking to that were talking about the way that soccer stars in Europe essentially are, implied more of just a general discontent, and a lot of that had to do with the with the money in the way that people then assume that the money fixes everything. And, and then the, just the amount of fame and the inability to go to the mall, the inability to walk down the street, especially, and it's even different in Europe because soccer stars are there. It's like the only sport in the sense where you have major stars, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of F1, right? Maybe a little bit of something else, but whereas here, and I think that's part of the appeal of LA in some ways, but yes, it's a star of town, but that also means that you can operate some, you know, without, without all of those, uh, those constraints. And that also means that like for these guys that come over here, if you're a Gareth Bale now in LA, you can just walk straight down the street and maybe a couple people are going to come up to you, but it's not going to be the same as, as you set foot anywhere in London um, or, you know, he's from Wales, but you know, close enough. So I I wanted to introduce that back into it. And then, and then thinking about like for Durant and you're right, it's not just him. It's a lot of players and it's how much of it is about, the ecosystem that is the NBA, how much of it is about just the basketball situation. And since you have the power, if you're a player like that, to go somewhere else, there's a little bit of just the, well, why wouldn't you? And then you could bring in a different analogy, uh, Darius, like marriage. Where Okay, you're married to one team. Some people are really satisfied and content, as you and I are in our marriages. Some people may decide, you know what, this has been a good marriage for several years, and now I want to go and explore a new relationship somewhere else without all of the history. So maybe that's not the best metaphor to bring in. I, I don't know. You could please <laughs> to switch that one up, but it's just a, yeah, I, I wanted to, I'm continuing to throw more stuff on the pot. So maybe we uh, take a break yeah. here, uh, Darius, and then you come back and, and hit one of those points. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. So Mike, I would say it's more like long-term dating than marriage. Right, because you're not making a lifelong commitment to a team. That marriage was Magic's 25 year contract to and Dr. Buzz. They got married, they got basketball married. They took vows. We probably probably shouldn't, yeah. Kobe Kobe and Dr. Buzz had to go to therapy. Uh, yeah, they worked through it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that marriage did survive. Um, came out on you, right? Fine, just fine. Thank you, thank you for, yeah. We probably shouldn't have gotten a break before you corrected that metaphor. That's why I should leave those things to you. No, no, no. Hopefully, that was a nice tease though, because then. Folks are waiting, right, to see what analogies we actually follow through with. But the idea of happiness, when you were talking, Mike, it made me think about players who have actually in like the modern athlete and players who have been very open about the stresses of like real life. And players like Kevin Love comes to mind and DeMar DeRozan comes to mind. Players who have been on the record and spoken thoughtfully and eloquently about how just life in general, um, all their problems aren't solved because they make X million dollars a year and that the pressures and the stresses of real life impact them in the same way that they might impact you or me or anyone else who is of more like common means, right? And that money does not solve all of your problems. And as you try to navigate life, you can be brought down in ways that other people should be able to relate to and that you're not some superhuman because of your salary because you have the means to buy a nice house or a fancy car or take a trip or a vacation somewhere and so pete i wanted to sort of bring that part in to the equation too because i think that we can start to talk about this in a more holistic fashion right because it's there is basketball happiness there is real life happiness and and there is a way to find discontent in like both of those areas and and, and that impacts just how you feel on on an everyday basis and seeking out change um from that is i think a part of this equation as well yeah along those lines the part the the thing that mike put on the table that stood out to me is i think the attractiveness of the anonymity for some of the soccer players to come to la and a gareth bale to be able to walk down the street relatively unbothered and the i one thing i don't think that we have enough of an understanding yet, really society-wide, and this is just kind of the sports manifestation of it, is the impact of social media 
I think part of that whole dynamic of the anonymity is there's never been another time where you get a constant stream of fan feedback. Like if you put yourself in the position of one of these athletes, they post anything on their IG or they tweet something and they're going to get a whole bunch of responses a lot of which have nothing to do with what they posted and that have something to do with their performance. And look, if you just won a championship somewhere, that that can be great. But we've seen some of the ugliness of that too, Mike. And I think that having, no matter how much money you make, having that constant stream of fan feedback that can get very nasty and very negative, I can see a certain attractiveness in wanting to turn that spigot off as much as, as they can, you know? And so when the money is equal, I think that that be- something like that also becomes uh, a factor. And it's funny, we always talk about the attractiveness of, of coming to a place like L.A. or a brand like the Lakers in that respect, in that like, oh, we just signed this guy. Look, his Twitter followers just tripled. You know, uh, he just got right. 12,000 followers overnight type of thing. And that can have a great part of it. But I think that when someone gets too much of that attention, I think that that could it can go in the other direction too. Totally, Pete. That's how I probably would have answered my own question to start. And I think that that has been the biggest thing that has changed. And speaking of metaphors, sports being the metaphor for life, this is what's happened to our culture and to our society and just in general. And think about the politics and how, you know, one particular politician enabled, I think a lot of the vitriol to really come out and, and almost, and really supported Mm -hmm. it. And that is now, that is now so pervasive and that does extend to sports. And there are, so we were, let's see, where, I'm trying to think what city it was. It might've been New Orleans. No, maybe it was, I can't remember the, the city, but we were walking out of the arena, just the beat writers with LeBron. And every once in a while, there's a moment, like there's a pocket of time like this. It's usually four to five minutes, right? Where it's off, it's the, the cameras are off and it's more just like, all right, so what's been going on? And somebody, it might've been McMenamin asked LeBron, like, hey, when's the last time you went to like a movie theater? you know, by yourself. And other than actually renting one out, like for his family and going in the back door, you know, the answer is like, well, I can't remember. Or when's the last time that you went to a mall? Now, there aren't that many players, but in the NBA, there are a lot more players than you think who can't go to the mall without getting completely stormed. And and some guys actually might like that attention. And there are some players that do great with Mm -hmm. it. And there are some players that interact with the fans uh, great. But then to your point, again, when that player gets home, and put something up on his phone, unless he's just completely not looking at the replies. And even if he's not looking at all, there's just this knowledge that every single thing that you do, somebody not only not only is going to comment on, but may have captured with their phone while you're out somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then and may have sent to somebody else and then may have just made some assumption about what you were doing there. And so that that part, I think, has, has pulled into this level of anxiety and stress. And and if you don't have a really solid mooring, uh, whether it's from your family or your own thoughtfulness, it, you've, maybe you found nirvana somehow and you're, you're like, you're this great, you're one of the 1% out there in the in the Buddhist community who's really, um, n- who's found a way not to want for things and you're super settled. Um, Darius might be the closest one to that sometimes, uh, unless you go out and make the Twitter replies. So. All of this stuff is going on, and and I don't see this changing in the short term. So the question is, what guys? How can guys deal with this and still find that level, uh, that balance, that life balance of being able to find some level of happiness in the world? And how much does it have to do with basketball, if any? 
Yeah, it's interesting because I think that we have segmented this off right between like what like you what you were saying, Mike, in terms of sports happiness and what might lead you to say, like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go to a different team. I want a different work environment for myself. And the general human level, personal happiness, right, that comes from that is definitely tied to your work and your job performance as a professional athlete, but could also tie back to all of these other things that are happening in your life and and how those impact your day to day feelings and mood and and general perception of of how well you are or are not doing. And those are both intertwined and they're separate all of the same. And an athlete's ability to compartmentalize, I think, is one of the most important things that they have in terms of performance as a player. Like, how can I separate everything else, whether it's how I feel about my teammates or how I feel about my head coach or what's going on from an on-court perspective, Pete, like, oh, I don't like the scheme or the plays that are being run for me or what my touches are or how many minutes I'm getting the lot of a professional athlete versus like, oh, well, damn, like I'm getting confronted in the street by fans, right? Which we saw videos this past season of like Russell Westbrook getting confronted by fans on the Mm -hmm. street, like just total jackassery going on, right? And that's the era that we live in too, Mike, where like fans, whether it be for clout or just because they think they're being cool or fresh or funny or whatever, turn on their camera phone and are just like, ah, oh, watch me heckle this dude in real life. That sort of thing. It's all this mix of stuff that goes into what you are, Pete, as a professional. And and how do you how do you feel like like navigating that? And, and how does that bleed into things and how does that impact your daily happiness? I'm not asking you to like answer no, no, that question it. from a personal perspective, but it's just like, it's such a crazy thing, right? It's just a new thing to deal with, right? We were talking about Kevin Durant earlier. He's one of the more online athletes. That there yeah. are. Kevin Durant's going to show up in someone's replies and that's how he handles it, right? And everybody everybody got an opinion on him, on what he should do, how, how he should be, how he should interact, right? And so that's his way uh, is to actually engage with it and say, hey, I've got something. I, I want to represent my point of view within this com- within this conversation not have anybody else speak for me one of the things that has always struck me mike is that both kobe and lebron felt compelled to start media production companies right these were two players kobe obviously in an earlier area era but the same idea of Everyone has had something to say about them their entire professional careers. And I think that that builds some, or I, I think that creates some sort of desire to want to tell your own story, right? And to want to be the person who sets the narrative for yourself when you've got everybody else that has an opinion on you. You know, I think that that's something that is. As we see more and more new media, Draymond talks uh, a lot about this too. We are starting to see this kind of blend of your JJ Reddicks and your Draymonds and Duncan Robinson, and they are the ones kind of filling not the media's role in in uh, overall, but they are 
inserting themselves into the narrative in ways that they didn't have in the past. And so to your your question, D, that's one of those are two examples, I think, of ways that players uh, respond to it, right? KD is directly replying to people on Twitter. Draymond is going to hop on his podcast and say how that went down. So, but it's all just a new world to navigate. So let's take a break. When we come back, I want to hear your thoughts on that, Mike. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think Pete, that's a good way to summarize that first part of the conversation there. And I'm thinking a little bit now of how much of this stuff just ties more directly to basketball and how much of that ties with the increasing power of those few stars. Because when we start to do the whole trading team thing, there's only so many people that can be involved in that. We've done in previous pods now, like, so the Rudy Gobert trade, that wasn't Rudy Gobert driven, right? This wasn't one of those hey, I need to get myself to another market now. Mm -hmm. And like that was the Timberwolves wanted to pounce on what they saw as one of the few opportunities to get who they considered a star, and they gave up a lot for it. Uh, I think that's similar to the Atlanta situation. That wasn't DeJounte Murray. Now, he may have had some conversations. Look, if if you guys are going to rebuild, then is there a team that you can get me on? I don't know Mm -hmm. if if that happened, but still, that's that's just different from the Kevin Durant-type status. Or in LeBron's situation, is different as well because LeBron left as a free agent. And he happened to have a TV show about it, but he left as a free agent and then he went to his next destination. So this whole this whole part of the market now um, that that Durant is kind of embodying is interesting as to how that how that will impact the league moving forward. But I still don't I don't know if it's going to be as pervasive as it might seem since there are only so many guys that can essentially hold up the entire trade market. And to what degree do we factor in like this past year, I'd, both the Lakers and Brooklyn were built around the star build, right? Like, and, and that we are going to really emphasize having three stars and that's kind of the, the format of the team that we're going to have. And it didn't work. Right. And I think that the success of that sort of thing, I, I could see from Brooklyn's standpoint, say you're the team or the organization D and you're like, look, we've 
done what you've wanted. We've like we've had a very player friendly, a superstar friendly type of approach toward building the team, the coaching staff, just the overall environment. And at some point, like what what is the player's responsibility within that? Right. Which isn't to say that Kevin Durant hasn't shown up or anything like that. Right. But like the organization can only do so much. And there is a certain degree where, where it's like the rubber has to meet the road. Performance is like yeah. it's it's at the heart of professional sports. Right. It's just like we pay you to we meaning, you you know, like the royal we in terms of like uh, franchise governors. Right. Like we pay you in order to go out there and play your best and give us as an organization the best possible chance to win and mike what i'm interested in is that there have already been lots of rumblings around the league from league insiders especially and we see it in reporting from those folks it's like oh sources around these ideas but there are going to be discussions around this within the collective bargaining agreement right like pete you started off this conversation with this idea of the 99 season and the lockout and max mm-hmm. contracts and getting that part of things under control from the governor's standpoint, right? About like, oh, saving saving us from, from ourselves and, and instituting a rookie scale contract as well, because that was the time where in their second and third seasons, you got mm-hmm. you saw guys renegotiating contracts, right? Glenn Robinson, Kevin yeah. Garnett. Like, that was um, the CBA before. That's the thing. I always kind of crack up at the owners like whenever they put rules in place to save themselves from themselves like it always backfires and it's like you know i don't know i feel like it's kind of a serves you right type of type of deal like make good decisions you know well well also too it's just like okay well we're gonna cut down the length of contracts right it used to be i remember there were those contracts that like juan howard signed with the heat right Mm -hmm. um well, seven year Campbell. like yeah, seven, seven year, year contract 49. for 120 mm-hmm. something million dollars or something like Shaq signed a very similar contract with the Lakers when he came as a free agent. I think it was like six years and well over 100 million dollars. And the the governors have, have clawed back at that. Right. Like, OK, well, if you leave as a free agent, the most you can sign is a four year deal. And if you're resigning with your own team with bird rights, you can get a five year deal. But now those shorter contract lengths mean that players can leverage their way out of things earlier and earlier and earlier. Right. Within their contracts. It's one of the unique parts about the Kevin Durant situation now, because he's locked in for four years, which like you're never in this situation where a guy's asking for a trade, but also has four years left for exactly the reason that, that you're stating here. And so, Mike, one of the things that I'm interested in seeing how it all plays out are what are these discussions going to be between the Board of Governors and the Players Union in the next collective bargaining agreement? And and how how is this going to be negotiated right because we just saw a season where ben simmons held out and he didn't play at all and that net super team that got built pete included james harden who went from the rockets and basically sort of like slacked his way out of there to the nets and then he's like now he's in philly after another trade and that idea of constant player movement mike do you get the sense that like there's even more backlash now coming from the fan side and how does all of this matter within the context of quote unquote player 
happiness, whether it's sports happiness or off the court happiness and how that's impacting player movement. Because I think that it's clear, it's not just I think, it's it's clear that this is a bubbling topic around the league and how do we tamp this down? Because there are people who think this is not good for the league at this stage. This is where it's hard to separate the pure finances too, it, whether it's in terms of perception or reality. But if, at the top end, right, if player contracts are now already going up into the $60 million per year range, and then the new TV deal is going to come in and that number is going to go higher. And then some of the, just the more median ranges are going to go, are going to go higher. It's very difficult, right. From the, from the just public or the fan perspective uh, to, and, and then, so the ownership level is complicated too, because that money is getting split basically 50, 50 Mm -hmm. and without getting into it, but it's not like at the same time, ticket prices are going down and concession prices are going down. And there's a certain, there's 1% of it is going to increasing the understanding of diversity, right. In the workplace. And a certain part of it is going to some of the support staff. Like there's, it's all just being split in those two ways. And yet it keeps going up and up. And that's the free market. Like that's what the TV stations are willing to pay. And especially for the one thing that people will still watch live, which is why Mm -hmm. the money is up there because the advertising dollars can support it uh, over the course of the season. But how that ties into to the other argument, I I think that there's been such a pro player uh, tilt to this and for for years. And then it just gets as that as those salaries keep going up. It's like that the first time that we all heard about the Alex Rodriguez deal back in the day. It's like, wait, how much the raw number was 250. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that's just like the standard NBA Supermax. You know, Bradley Beal just got mm-hmm. one for 250 with the uh, with the uh, what the no trade clause. Right. And everyone's just kind of like, well, that's kind of a lot. But yeah, you know, standard. So I don't have the answer to it, but it does seem like that those discussions are going to have some level of uh, difficulty to them. As we always end up in the same place, Mike, on the freaking CBA. We always end up at this place where it's like, oh, you got this problem that the owners are going to have to solve. The The players have too much power. The players have too much blank. That's yeah. how we ended up with the 99 CBA. That's yep, how yep. we ended up with the 95 CBA where the rookie scale came in. That's where we shortened the contracts. It's but And we always end up in the same place in large part because there's a simple unalienable fact in that an NBA star – is more important to a team's success than any player in any other sport. The closest you can come is an NFL quarterback. And even he is only on the on the field half of the time. An NBA superstar can change the fortunes of your franchise to a degree that that is going to come with a level of power, a level of say, a level of influence, not just on your team, but around the league. And there is I don't think there's a way to legislate that out. You know, and there's always attempts at that, Mike, at different CBAs and and to varying levels of success. But that's just a fact of basketball, in my opinion. Well, it is. And this is also why the Lakers have had success more than most any other franchise, because of the stars, they're able to get one either either through draft or through trade or through a player wanting to get there. And there are only out of so all of the teams have the ability to pay their star the supermax if certain qualifications are met. But there are only like between five and 10 of them every year. Like not every team is going to be able to have one. And yet some are going to have to pay for one. 
And that part of the equation also comes to play in where you cannot pay the wrong person that much if you want to if you want to win a title. Mm-hmm. It's got to be it's got to be the guys that can actually deliver, and then you got to get the rest of the, ro- the roster too. But of course, the most recent representation of this is LeBron coming to the Lakers. That that's one of the guys, and then AD proved certainly with LeBron there that he could be in the, when when everything's right for AD. He can be that type of two-way superstar impact player, but has he done it consistently to the level that LeBron has? No. So is he one of those franchise-type guys? No, not not on his own yet. No, it's it's funny. I was watching a recent episode of of The Shop, and I was listening to LeBron talk, and um, I can't remember the context of the question or or anything, but the nature of it was like, when did when did it change for you in terms of your approach and, and and how you dealt with all of the everything, right? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, oh, like basically when I stopped caring what everyone thought. Mm-hmm. And that goes into the social media point I was making earlier, right? Like if you spiral down that, like you just got to turn that off. Yeah. And he was just like, look, like I'm going to make the right play. I'm going to. Shoot when I'm supposed to shoot. I'm supposed to pass when I'm supposed to pass. And I'm just going to continue to play the way that I play. And everyone else can basically F off. I am secure in what I am as a player and who I am as as a person. And that I think. And Kobe got to a similar place, Mike, over the course Mm -hmm. of his career, particularly by the time that you joined the Lakers in their second run towards titles where Kobe was was the lead guy. And that idea of, like, forget everyone else. Forget what everyone else says. I know who I am. I know what I am mm-hmm. as a player. And that's going to be my guiding principle as I navigate this path. And that, I think, is the idea that is not not as common as you would hope it would be amongst some of the very top players in the league. And I think it's an idea that a lot of folks are still striving towards, right? And it's incredibly and increasingly more difficult to be able to reach that place of stability with all of the context that surrounds you now as like a just a famous person, but particularly a famous athlete in today's world, because there is so much of that, like, oh, well, I pay your salary and this, this, that, the other, and and all of that comes with it. That is just tricky, man. And it's hard to cut that off. And so I appreciated hearing LeBron basically say like, nah, man, like it's been like 10 years now. And I'm just like, like, I just decided no more of that. I'm not going to care anymore. But I can imagine that's that's just terribly hard, especially now. When you got the whole world talking about you, there's got to be like to be able to like unplug from that and be like, no, I'm not going to engage with that noise. Like, I think it took a while to get there. And when you hear him talk about that, he references those 2011 finals. Right. And I, I think there's a level of honesty to that. Like, yes, I did hear what people had to say. And I had to make that conscious decision to disengage from that. Well, that's the point for LeBron. And I think makes me think back to Kobe or think back to Jordan about players who 
just whether internally or externally, just really seemed to handle uh, all of this stuff, the whole piece of it, and didn't let it didn't let it affect their basketball. Uh, if they, you know, in the case of Jordan and Kobe, for the most part, they were with the one team. Jordan then, of course, had the little Wizards run, and LeBron has somehow found a way to to maximize himself in three different places, which I think is harder than it may appear. Also just by the nature of how fans are and, and like, you're one of ours. And he's just been like, Nope, I, I can handle this. I'm going to do this. And then he's delivered. So uh, that alone is, it gives me puts those three uh, sort of in, in one little category, at least for guys that we've, whose careers we've traced. And uh, I don't know how, how you would think about magic in that context, uh, Darius and, and Pete, but yeah, that, that's been something that's been real fascinating to watch. Yeah, Magic is up there, too. And another guy who I would say is like that now that can probably take us into the next era of that is a guy like Giannis, I think, who seems very sort of self-aware of his place within the league, but is also super comfortable of who he is as a player and as a man and as a superstar who looks like he is comfortable being the face of not only the Bucks as as a franchise, but potentially for the entire league. And there's a genuineness to him that I can relate to it and understand and appreciate as a fan of just the NBA and, and not necessarily of the Bucks, right? But Giannis, I think, is one of those guys who I'm just like, ah, this dude gets it in a way mm-hmm. that that I'm fond of from like an outsider's perspective, right? For sure. And, and Magic, uh, when you brought him up that, you know, he was one of those guys that was able to rally the noise and kind of galvanize the noise and get it cheering for him and in the same direction. And so the way that different superstars kind of handle all of that, um, it's not the same from one guy to the next. And it's just really, really interesting conversation uh, today, Mike. Thanks for bringing up, up this topic. One of those things that super interesting to kind of explore the different routes that guys have taken. All right, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Talk some more hoops. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James. 
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.